Vacationing on a cruise ship is supposed to be the height of luxury. Sailing, drinking, meeting people your age, conga lines, it doesn't get any better than that. But the story I'm going to tell you today is the exact opposite. Instead of sailing, drinking, and dancing, there were cover-ups, lies, and negligence. This is The Disappearance of Marion Carver. We are your hosts, Sherry Ferreira and Helen Allen. This is The Chalk Line. Good evening, everyone, and the highlights of the news this Thursday. Before I even got into learning about true crime or studying criminal justice, I was clueless about the laws cruise ship companies don't have to follow. And then I got to thinking, they aren't even technically on U.S. soil. And it just all clicked. They don't have to really like abide by the laws that the U.S. has. And I just went wild wondering how much they can get away with. Which is when I came across this 100-year-old tax code that lets cruise ship companies register their ships with any country they want. No matter how many times I hear about cruise ships and their whack-ass laws, I can never wrap my head around it. What is this tax code exactly? So, it's called the flag of convenience. And when they do this, they're able to just follow whatever laws that country has in place. I mean, they're essentially picking and choosing which country has the most lenient policies and will legally only be held to that country's laws. So, any U.S. law that's made to protect your rights... Don't apply while you're at sea. And also, they don't even have to pay taxes. But with all that being said, it perfectly sets it up so that if anyone were to commit a crime on board, they really don't have to do anything about it. They don't even have to report it. And this is exactly what happened to Marion Carver. I'm literally already frustrated by this case, and I don't even know one single person involved. (laughs) It's going to be an exciting episode for sure. But in 2004, Marion was living in Cambridge, Massachusetts, where she used to work as an investment banker. I believe she also had three sisters. I found one article that confirmed it as well in this beautiful family photo that had her sisters in it and her parents. But I think it's important to note that she did have a big family. By 40, she had to handle getting a divorce and losing custody of her 13-year-old daughter. But four years later, she decided to go on a cruise and even started getting into writing poetry. So she booked a round-trip ticket for a seven-day cruise on the Mercury, a ship under the celebrity cruise line of cruise ships, which is the very same line owned by the Royal Caribbean. Big cruise ship name. If you've ever looked up cruise ships in your life, this is definitely a name that you have heard before. So Marion's trip would start in Seattle, Washington, and finish in Alaska. Oh, I'm so happy that, like, after the divorce and losing custody of her daughter, she's able to just, like, step away and get some me time. Oh, fully. She was she was ready to relax. But unfortunately, Marion would only spend two nights on the ship before she was reported missing. Okay, so what, though? She was reported right away? That's kind of good, right? Yeah, so her steward did report her missing the same day she disappeared, and he kept reporting her missing every single day after that for the remainder of the voyage. The steward, Domingo Montero, was relentless in reporting Marion being missing from her cabin and noting that all her belongings had been untouched since the second night. 
Wait, so all her stuff was still in the room. Was there any sign that she just left? Well, not really, or like, not explicitly. When Domingo went to check on Marion's cabin, you know, her steward, the morning that he reported her missing, he found that her bed had not been slept in, and there was a generous tip and a manila envelope with unknown contents left behind, along along with her belongings, including her only shoes. Why would she just leave the only pair of shoes that she had? Had she been, like, hanging around with anyone? Like, when Domingo comes forward, does he have any idea of where she might be or who she might have been with, if anyone? Like, I mean, this doesn't really sound to me like she just up and left. Yeah, I mean, so here's the thing. I couldn't find this on any official news sources, but I did find it on a pretty notable blog by J.H. Moncrief. Shout out to you. Domingo found her to be personable, relaxed, and looking forward to the cruise. But he does mention that at one point she, quote-unquote, told him she planned to go upstairs later, but did not want to visit the dining room. Why didn't she want to visit the dining room? That's that's what we don't know, but she insisted on that and mentioned the same thing the following night, how she didn't want to go to the dining room, and so he... And so he suggested that she ordered room service, and she did. And he brought her two sandwiches at her request, and that was the last known sighting of Mary in a lot. Okay, listen, I'm like a hungry girl, and I'm all for one girl eating two sandwiches, (laughs) but this isn't, like, I mean, isn't it a little sketchy to you that she refused to eat in the dining room and then ordered two sandwiches? I mean, my mind is going to the absolute worst, like she dined with her killer. But I guess it could also just be that after the messy divorce, she wasn't really ready to be seen with a date. I don't know. Like, how do you feel about this Domingo guy? Well, here's the other thing. Everyone is guilty to me until only one person is actually guilty. So I'm not ruling Domingo out entirely, you know? Like, he was the only person that seemed to care about her being missing, so I truly, in my heart of hearts, just don't think that the problem was is with him. I don't think he would go and directly report her without, you know, fall- I don't know, it just doesn't make sense to me. He did everything a witness should do. He went beyond what was required of him, even. The issue is who he was reporting this information to. His supervisor. It was quoted several times in my research that his supervisor told him to, quote-unquote, word for word, just do your job and forget it. Domingo was dismissed like that every day he reported Marion's disappearance. I mean, he was literally being told to shut up, turn around, and get back to work. So she was literally reported the day she went missing. Like, what more could you need? So many cases, people are reported missing way too late. So I'm just like fuming right now, knowing that this cruise ship had every opportunity to find Marion right away. I I cannot agree with you more. That thought immediately rang through my mind. It sucks. I mean, it really does because... Even if someone higher up had the same response, in the very least, they would have done all they could as far as notifying the staff, maybe. Like, not to mention, Marion did have pretty bright red wavy hair. So who knows, maybe if the staff were told to be on the lookout or even if the captain just made a small announcement, it could really have made a difference. But instead, that supervisor decided to rob Marion of all those possibilities. And at the end of the seven days, the supervisor had to inform someone higher up about Marion being missing because 
he really couldn't explain why one passenger's stuff would still be in their cabin after departure. And in the end, the cruise line officials box up Marion's belongings and give most of her items away. Why angry? Yeah. No, there's more because not only that, but after the cruise was finished, no one reported her missing. Not to the police, not to the FBI, or even her family. It was actually Marion's daughter who first noticed her mother's disappearance because, as we come to learn, Marion didn't tell anyone she was going on a cruise. Oh, my God. I mean, part of me is like, oh, why wouldn't she tell anyone? But also, you got to give it to her that, like, she just experienced the divorce. She just lost custody of her daughter. She was probably like, uh, no, I need to hit the reset button. And honestly, like, in her shoes, I would like to say that I probably would do the same thing. I would just kind of want to get away for a little bit and be accounted by no one, you know? Of course. You just want to have, like you said, your me time, not be bothered with anyone calling in. I don't know. It's just, I had the same reaction, but Marion was just one of those people, you know? She was described countless times as vivacious with an independent spirit, and it really wasn't all that strange for her to do something like go on a trip and not tell anyone. She was definitely one of those people who could just easily go out to dinner alone and not get crazy anxious like I know I certainly would, which honestly just, <laughs> oh, a hundred, we'd be shaking, shaking. No. But it honestly just gives us another reason to love her. So Marion's daughter ends up calling Kendall Carver, aka Marion's father. But even with the family finally being notified, it took Cambridge police three days to find her last known location and connect her with being on the cruise ship. But eventually Carver would spend upward of $75,000 to hire a PI in hopes to find his daughter and get some answers. Now, the PI, Tim Schmolder, did approach celebrity cruises for questioning, but was met with a lot of resistance. Resistance? So, like, what? Like, was the PI asking for cameras or the chance to talk to witnesses? Please don't tell me that they said no to that small decency. Oh, very much that. Schmolder did ask for interviews with passengers or crew members and access to the ship's cameras. So you're definitely on track because that's exactly what he asked for. And if you take a step back and really think about it, it's not like he has a crime scene to go and investigate because by that time, the route had already been messed with, cleaned up, and wiped clean of any evidence that could have been left behind, you know? Housekeeping would have made sure of that, like... Granted, it's their job, but there is no way someone could even walk into the room she stayed in and easily find clues as to what happened. But with even only asking for that, interviews and access to cameras, he was still prohibited from doing it, which is not uncommon for cruise lines to do in cases like these. Their hold on information and ability to even silence its crew members from speaking is so strong. It's also worth mentioning one blog while I was doing my research did mention that the cameras were said to be auto-deleted every two to three weeks. So the cruise line denied having any footage of Marion. They're like, we don't have it. It's auto-deleted. It's gone forever. But when the PI recovered the official documentation in court of when the time footage was supposed to be deleted, it said it was to auto-delete every month. Not every two to three weeks, every month. And by that point, too much time had passed where any footage at all was permanently lost. It's the age old, the cameras weren't on. (laughs) Don't you just love that? Like, the cameras are never on. Why waste money buying cameras if you won't use them for their literal purpose? I feel like 
every time this stuff happens, it's just to save face, like for big companies, but it backfires so much because people like you and me are so much more mad for it. Oh, livid. Now, I've never once heard of a situation where they were like, yes, we have clear footage night and day. Here you go. Mm-hmm. It's always yeah. the cameras were off. They weren't working that day. We're getting maintenance on it. Like, just invest in a good camera, people. <laughs> but or like, just don't buy a camera if you're not going to turn it on. Yeah. <laughs> just- <laughs> you're not going to use for you what don't it's made have for. any would be better. Yeah. You know? No, I'm so glad that you bring that up that they did that just to save face because I think, well, actually, I know it has. It has everything to do with that. They just wanted to save face and not even necessarily get in trouble, but just not wanting to have anything to do with Marion's case. They wanted to remove themselves from it entirely. But it wasn't until Carver put in countless subpoenas for the cruise line to give him some answers and break their silence that the family finally finds out the truth about how Marion's case was handled. Because so far, they knew absolutely nothing. All they knew was that their daughter was gone that they needed to find her. They had no knowledge of how Celebrity Cruises was handling it. Marion was their daughter, a mother, a sister, and most of all, she was a person. A person who did not even get the basic respect to just be acknowledged as missing. And so the Carvers discover what we now know, that Marion had not only been reported missing, but it was reported the same day that she disappeared. The supervisor who the steward reported this information to had chosen not to tell a security officer about their daughter going missing and that he had actually had a duty to report it. Yeah, let that sink in. Even with all the backward laws on a cruise ship, the supervisor had a protocol in place that required him to report this to a security officer. And he just didn't. What angers me so much about this case was that even protocol isn't something that gets regularly followed. The cruise line basically confirms that. They didn't want the PI to question the crew. And the only reason for that is so they aren't completely liable. They can just fire one person and be done. So in the end, the one supervisor gets fired. Great. The last discovery the Carvers make is one that would shock them forever. It's the fact that Marion's disappearance hadn't just been a one-time report, but they find out that Domingo actually reported her missing every single day. For five days, Domingo went to a supervisor and reported her missing. For five days, he was told to ignore it. And for five days, nothing was done about it. While I was researching, it became very unclear about the time between the Carvers discovering her disappearance and contacting the police and just getting in communication with the cruise line in general. My best estimate estimate was that it was a good two months before the Carvers even knew how the case was being handled. And mind you, that's my best estimate of the progression of Marion's case because it's still so unclear. It could have been for much longer. There are still reported months and weeks in between the time when police find out she was missing to discovering her location and celebrity crews finally giving up some answers. One confirmed timestamp is that after the three days it took police to trace Marion to the cruise ship, it had already been 26 days since her reported disappearance. So that sets them so far behind in trying to do any sort of investigation. And you can bet these gaps of time were filled with the cruise line pushing the family away, blatantly lying to them, and just intentionally sending them down the wrong path just to steer them away from the truth. I seriously cannot imagine how devastating this must be for the family. I mean, like, just crushing to find out not only were they being evasive about her disappearance, but that someone on the ship knew for the entire time and even after the fact had knowledge 
I, I don't know. I'm like running in circles, but I just, I would be fuming. I can't even grasp how they feel right now. No, of in that moment in time, they knew nothing for a month. Like they just knew their daughter was gone. So mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine like just what ensued after that. But I know more than anything, my anger turned into sadness when I heard her father tell ABC News back in 2006 the following. That was probably one of the worst days of his life to figure out that they knew Marion was missing. And if only they had done something during that cruise when she was reported missing daily, they would have known. Upon further investigation, we find out that Marion actually never used the on-ship currency that they have. It's called a C-Pass. And what makes this interesting is that this type of credit card is also used for identification. And Marion was never recorded buying a drink or leaving the ship. The articles I read through described the card as only being used for drinks or other purchases. I'm assuming gift shop, gift shop stuff. So I don't really know how telling this is of what might have happened because she just could have not felt like drinking and didn't want to buy anything. Mm-hmm. So you can see this investigation really becomes difficult because they really can't track her. But everything comes to a head in March of 2005 when Marion's parents finally sue the celebrity cruise line company, which honestly just makes me want to fist pump a little bit because it's like, finally they're going after them. They have the funds to do this and you know, they they're finally getting what they deserve answers. Yeah, absolutely. Because, and it's nice because not everybody does have the funds to do it. So it's, it's just great to hear that. But so that's like, that's a positive then. What were they able to recover? Honestly, all they got were some BS answers and that one supervisor getting fired. In response to the lawsuit, Celebrity Cruises puts out a statement, though, and they claim that Marion committed suicide on the ship and jumped overboard. Wait, ha- what? How dare they, first of all? And second of all, what what grounds do they have to say that? Well, they claim the following. They say... They're like clearly grasping at straws here. And they say the family told us they believe it happened. And because our cabin was near an open air dock where it leads to, you know, kind of like the rail or edge of the ship, that this means that she clearly committed suicide. Now, the family did say that in the weeks after her divorce, Marion did enter a depression and threatened to harm herself. But I mean, and Helen, please let me know if you think otherwise. But in my opinion, that happened years ago. And according to her parents, she was very independent, like I said, and vivacious. And most of all, even the family can, like tells them they're firm in their belief that Marion did not commit suicide. Well, uh, okay, honestly, I'm just disgusted. But I mean, so basically they're saying like, hey, she was depressed at one point in her life. And also like her cabin was just so happened to be near like a place where she maybe could commit suicide. So that's what happened. Like there's no grounds there. And it's very clear. And her being unwell after a divorce and losing her child. I mean, it has nothing to do with her disappearance on a cruise ship. And it sure as hell doesn't have anything to do with the fact that she wasn't reported missing on time. And not to mention, this is a multi-million dollar cruise ship. So why can't they just accept the fact that they are wronging an innocent family by not giving them due closure and call it a day? Like, what would mean so much to Marion's family wouldn't even dip into their pockets. No, exactly. I. It's impossible not to get angry at that statement. One point in a person's life where they were feeling depressed, 
shouldn't and it wasn't continuous it was just that one instance where no other evidence not at all and it's just ridiculous but it's impossible to say what happened to marion sure we can sit here and run through hundreds of different theories about what could have happened but like her father told abc news the way royal caribbean handled this case is what ultimately prevents them from ever knowing the truth and they made sure of it at every turn, they made sure to turn a blind eye at what was happening and set this case so far back that they can now spin any narrative they want. Like, her committing suicide. I mean, they really just, they prevented any sort of real investigation from happening. And mm-hmm. what happened to Marion on the Celebrity Cruise still remains a mystery. And unfortunately, that 100-year-old tax code still blocks a lot of investigations from happening when on board a cruise ship. I haven't even begun to scratch the surface of how much it can completely mess with a case. Right. However, there are some amazing people who are working to lower the influence of this policy. Are you ready for this? Of course. Well, Kendall Carver, a.k.a. Marion's dad, a.k.a. super crime fighting extraordinaire, founded a nonprofit organization that represents victims of crimes on cruise ships and their families. It's called the International Cruise Victims Association. Carver even went on to have Congress pass the Cruise Vessel Security and Safety Act of 2010, a little bit of a mouthful, love the work though, which required cruise ships to do the following. So they are now required to disclose information about missing passengers, actually report crimes that happen on cruise ships, and a requirement for cruise ships to be equipped with rape kits and HIV medications, and automatic man-overboard systems, which all got passed on a nearly unanimous basis. So everyone was here for it. They loved it. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, this case was so sad and frustrating, but at the very, very least, something good and worth it might be coming from it. And I'm that's really like all you can hope for in a case like this that's just been so tainted and sabotaged from the start. Oh, of course. And it's not only, you know, um, Marion's father, but there are also a bunch of other people who truly have been victims and suffered at the loss of someone on a cruise ship or someone on a cruise ship um, experienced something terrible happen to them. And Mm -hmm. there are just countless websites out there made to help people. I mean, I even came across one website where a lawyer specifically worked with cruise ship, like, mistakes and like the stuff that they do and he's set on helping people who have this specific problem oh that's so cool we love it unfortunately carver did pass away back in december of 2019 but he will always be remembered for his work to prevent future crimes from receiving the same treatment marion did and what's even more heartwarming is that back in arizona where marion's family is from the paradise valley united methodist church in arizona made a bronze statue to remember Marion. It's called The Gift of Life, which is based on a poem she wrote titled The Butterfly. The statue is amazing, and I'll make sure to link a picture of it to our website. And it honestly just serves as another beautiful reminder of the work Carver did to prevent this from happening in the future and to forever remember Marion. Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Instagram at The Chalkline Pod. Twitter at The Chalkline Pod. And you can check out our website in our Instagram bio, which has more information on the cases. Tune in next Thursday for another story.
sorry. What the? I don't know. I think I'm like malfunctioning.